Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When a child is diagnosed with an illness, they're thrust into an adult world of doctor's appointments, blood tests, x-rays, and injections. At the same time, parents see their lives change forever as they face the practical and emotional consequence of a life-changing diagnosis. How can we help kids deal with their new realities, and how can we as parents make the best of the situation? Today, we're talking all about how to face a serious diagnosis, and this is Parent Savers, episode 65. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers, broadcasting as usual from the lovely Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers, as you know, is your weekly on-the-go support group for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again for listening, and thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Parent Savers Club. For the Parent Savers Club, you can get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Everyone can also subscribe to our free monthly Parent Savers newsletter for a chance to win membership to our club each month. And another way for you all to stay connected, as you know, is to download our free Parent Savers app available in the Android and iTunes marketplace or you can just stay connected with us on Facebook and Twitter and not only will you know when new episodes come out we engage in some different topics throughout the week and we also offer you a chance to interact with the shows via producer Aaron in studio using our Facebook page or our Twitter handle so as we're recording the shows live you can ask questions of our experts as well. Today we're joined in studio by a group of parent panelists to discuss our topic on how to face a serious diagnosis. So let's go around the room and let everyone know who is here. I'm Scott Killian. I'm 36 years old. I'm a certified financial planner. I've got one boy, Alex. He's three. I'm Molly Riffle. I'm uh, 32. I'm a teacher slash stay-at-home mom, and I have two little girls, Abigail, who's two and a half, and Riley, who's three months. And I'm your host, John, and we have three boys, six, four, and two years old. How about you, Dr. Deland? Um, I have two children. Um, I have a daughter who's uh, 25, and she's a fourth-year medical student, hmm? and my son is 21, and he's a fourth-year history major at Vanderbilt. Nice. That's great. Welcome to the show, and thanks, everyone, for joining us. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a question from Melissa. Melissa wrote us and said, I just had my daughter four days ago and I'm already feeling depressed and it's not baby blues. It's way worse. I had this happen with my last pregnancy and I didn't do anything about it, mostly because I didn't want to take something to make me feel normal. It feels way worse this time and I'm better at talking about it with my husband. But is this something I should bring up with my OB at my six week appointment? Any recommendations on how to not feel like this? 
Hi, this is Yvonne Rothermel, licensed clinical social worker. Hi, Melissa. I'm so glad you wrote in and you're seeking support this time around. I'm also glad you're talking about how you are feeling with your husband. It is so important to let trusted others know how you are really doing. It is important for you to know that you do not have to suffer through this this time around. There are very effective treatments for postpartum depression. Depending on the severity of your symptoms, medications may be recommended, but medications are not the only treatments for postpartum depression. It's also important for you to know that you are not alone. Many women experience postpartum depression. This is not your fault. It's not some weakness in you that you get this and others do not. If you're having depressive symptoms, I would not wait to your six-week appointment with your OBGYN. I would call your doctor right away and let him or her know you're feeling depressed. It's important not to wait to seek help because we know that the sooner women seek treatment and support, the better outcomes for both mom and baby. I would also contact Postpartum Support International to find referrals to therapists and psychiatrists in your area that specialize in postpartum depression. It is important that you get a full assessment from a mental health professional specializing in this area. That way you ensure a proper treatment plan. You can find them on the web at www.postpartum.net. I would also recommend the blog Postpartum Progress at postpartumprogress.com. It is one of the most widely read best blogs on postpartum mood disorders, and it works to empower women in their recovery. You had asked for recommendations to feel better. Beyond uh, the assessment, which we talked about, I would work to reduce your expectations of yourself right now. Your health is more important than a clean house or dirty laundry. Optimize your time with support of others. Allow others to do for you. Ask for help from your partner so you can take breaks and get sleep. So many women have such a difficult time asking for help, but it is necessary. Try to get out of the house and take walks when you can. Find a support group through Postpartum Support International to reduce your risk of isolation. Most of all, be gentle with yourself and know that women do recover from postpartum depression and feel better. I'm glad you wrote in. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seguimos con Today's topic is how to face a serious diagnosis. Dr. DeLand is a radiation oncologist and an author, and she's going to help tell us about ways to help families and kids who are facing a serious diagnosis. So, Dr. Delane, can you tell us a little about your experience, both personally and professionally, in seeing kids face serious health problems? Yes. In fact, I am in a unique position because I have sort of been on both sides. I have been a parent um, because my daughter has serious allergies and still does and asthma. Um, when she was a, a baby, she was in the hospital once a month with pneumonia. And um, and then my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was four and then uh, developed a juvenile myoclonic epilepsy and has some, a couple other issues. But um, so for me, I've been on that side where the doctor says something to you and you just, you don't want to hear it. 
So I think that's really helped me as a, as a physician. What I usually do and what I, what I pride myself in doing is engaging the child, um, getting the child comfortable and, you know, of course, talking to the parents. But um, the most important thing is to be able to get the trust of the child. The child is going to need to cooperate for all kinds of tests and everything. And so I think when the child feels a little empowered, um, in some way, um, it does help. Well, and you mentioned that your son was four, I believe, um, when he was diagnosed. Was that with the diabetes or the epilepsy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How important was it, you know, as a parent or in your efficient, in your opinion, as a doctor, for him to really understand that diagnosis at that age? Is it more important that he just would have a rapport, or is it important that a kid as young as three or four? kind of understands how much or how much do they need to understand that's sort of a cutoff age there okay um between three and four it depends like whenever i've had to sedate a child for treatment um typically i always had to sedate three and younger for for radiation treatment four-year-olds sometimes and part of that is understanding so for my son my experience was not good for andrew i uh, i basically talked to him about any time he was eating, we had to to, to take this this shot um, because he didn't have a pump then. And gradually we got so he you know pricked his finger and understood all that. But you sort of have to do it at the child's pace, and you can't do everything at once because it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for the adult. Molly, I know you had some experience as well, in fact, when your baby was in utero, when Riley was in utero. So can you tell us a little about what you've uh, went through and are going through? Yeah, at uh, 20 weeks gestation, I found out that Riley had a heart condition. Um, we were doing our 20-week checkup, uh, and they were looking in depth at her heart and gave us the, the news that something was wrong with her heart, and they did it over the phone and told me to come in. So I found my husband. He was out with our two-year-old, and went in and they said, you know, your daughter has a heart congenital heart defect. Instead of having four chambers in her heart, she only has two. And the blood, the, when she's born, the oxygenated and unoxygenated blood will mix. So she'll have, heart, she'll have to have open heart surgery by the time she's six months old. And along with that, she also has Down syndrome. So at, you know, 20 weeks gestation, they said you can, you know, if you choose, you can terminate the, the pregnancy. And my husband and I, I said, absolutely not. You know, it was the first thing. No, she, you know, she's going to have heart surgery and she'll have Down syndrome, but she'll be fine. So um, at 20 weeks, we were able to get a lot of information. We still had, you know, half the pregnancy to go. So we did lots of research, lots of online internet looking. Some of it was good. Some of it wasn't. Um, finding out that it's okay, you know, what, are, what she has is not life-threatening as long as, you know, she does it, go through the, with surgery well. Um, but it was, and luckily we're in San Diego, who had, and they have a great team of doctors at Children's Hospital that can do the surgery and have done it with, you know, thousands of times. Um, but that was the, one of the scariest things I've ever yeah. had to hear is, you know, your baby has a heart condition. I mean, I've never been had, I've never been put under, I've never had surgery. And I know that my daughter's gonna have to have heart surgery at six right. months. And this is your first? This is our second. Second, we have a that's two right, year old. you have a two year old. We have a two year old at home. Right. Yeah, it was, uh. The the day we found out, my husband and I were sitting in the car just crying, sobbing. And our daughter was, I think she was 18 months when we, you know, when right. we found out. So she's in the back of the car and she's telling us to calm down. Mommy, daddy, calm down. Mama, daddy, no. Yeah. And because we, for uh, disciplining, we make her calm down. Right. So she was telling us to do that. And, you know, cause she knew so something sweet. was wrong. Yeah. 
she was she understood something was wrong she understood you know something's wrong and we kept telling her you know baby's okay she goes baby no baby no because she knew something was wrong yeah um but it was definitely a scary scary news um, it took weeks for us to get over to be able to tell our families that something was wrong with the baby it was just such like a I mean, oh, so, so like you didn't share the news right We didn't away. Sh- we shared it with with my my mom and my dad right away. Right. But everybody else we just had couldn't couldn't do it yet. Couldn't I mean to tell my parents took like an hour cuz we just cried the entire time we were trying to tell them. Right. Cuz you know, our baby has a heart problem. She's going to have to have Has heart she surgery. had the surgery yet? Not yet. She'll have it in September. She's she was in the NICU for 79 days cuz she was born preemie. Okay. And she with with her heart condition, she has a hard time eating. And kids with Down syndrome tend to have a hard time eating. And so she stopped eating off of a bottle, couldn't nurse, couldn't do anything. So she had to have surgery to put in a G-tube, which is a feeding tube that goes right into her belly. So she had to have that at, I think she was just over two months old when she had that surgery. And then right before three months or three months birthday, we came home from the NICU. So we've only been home for like three weeks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So she's had lots of complications along the way. She's gone into heart failure already mm-hmm. once. So she's on like three different heart meds that she, you know, to, they call it a cocktail to keep her heart strong because she doesn't have enough. I mean, she's very weak. She has no energy. She cries yeah. very little. She's very quiet. Well, you know, in, in the past, it was, I mean, and it is common for a Down syndrome child to have cardiac abnormalities. Right, right. It used to be the, the main cause of a fatality in that child. So I think, it, I think they've made great strides. Um, with cardiovascular surgery and are able to do so much for these children now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. My, my heart goes out to you because everybody wants and everyone expects their child's going to be healthy. Yeah, that was one of the hardest things was getting the news and then realizing our child's not going to be that healthy child like our two-year-old. You know, she's not yeah. going to be able to run around and... I mean, she she will eventually, but she's you know she's not going to be like her two year old. It's it was a hard thing right. to accept. Let's let's talk about that a little bit more after the break. About you know from you know the perspective of parents of other kids um, dealing with the siblings and kind of how you're processing your emotions. And interesting, you said you were over it. Um, it. Took a few months to get over it, but I wonder what that really means. So let's talk about that a little bit more after the break. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about... um when your family has to face a serious diagnosis with uh, Dr. Maitland Deland, who's on the phone with us. And um, Molly is in studio with us as well with her daughter, Riley, who has um, getting ready to have heart surgery. Was Riley three months old, you said? Three months. Three months old. Um, And Scott's here as well. So, you know, for parents, you know, you talked a lot, Molly, about how you were crying a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I mean, even talking about it now, it brings tears to your eyes. Yeah. Like, um, can do it. But, what tips do you have now that you've, this is your reality for the last few months about how parents can, you know, process their emotions, come to grips with what's going on, deal with it, make sure that their emotions aren't affecting either the siblings or, I mean, maybe you might have some ideas and maybe Dr. Landos too about the kids if they're old enough to understand the diagnosis. 
Well, for me, the best thing was to learn about it, to learn about the, both diagnoses, the Down syndrome and the heart condition, because I knew nothing about either. Right. Um, so for me, being a teacher, education was huge. I did lots of research, and then eventually talking about it was the biggest thing, talking to everybody about you know what, what she's going to have, and that helped me understand that you know it's no big deal. She'll be fine. She's going to be okay. You know, She's going to be a little different, but she'll be great. So for me, talking was huge. And do you find that in su- maybe talking to other people, you'd get feedback or inspiration from surprising yes. places yeah. that you weren't expecting yeah. it? We, we became a part of the Down Syndrome Association here in San Diego um, fairly quickly after finding out about this and talked to many, many parents who've gone, you know, who have kids with Down Syndrome and learning about the, you know, the struggles they go through, but also the, the, the positive parts of having kids with Down Syndrome and realizing that it's not, this isn't a, you know, a life you know, it's not a life-ending diagnosis. It's just, you know, just a different path than what we had planned. Um, and so for us, that was the biggest help for my husband and I to talk to other people who've gone through this. And then as far as our daughter, our, two, our two-year-old Abigail, she just telling her, explaining to her that, you know, Riley was sick. That's all we told her is Riley is sick. So she, when she's born, she's going to need lots of help. Getting her to understand that, you know, it's okay. She'll be fine. And the hardest part for Abigail was being in the hospital for th- two and a half months, you know, because one of us, my husband or I, was always in the hospital with Riley, and the yeah. other was at home. So we were split up as a family. So for her, understanding that, okay, Riley's sick, Riley needs help, Riley, you know, needs doctors, needs the hospital, right. and mommy or daddy. Um, so for her, talking to her a lot, explaining stuff to her. and At some point, did it become part of her routine, though? And yes. And it became yeah. normal for her. And yeah. And then once we all became came home again, it was she was looking around, going like, "What's why is everybody here? Like <laughs> after after two and a half months, why did, why is everybody sitting down at the table together?" Yeah, um, Molly, so yeah. Did, did you did you and your husband have a chance to talk before yeah. about like what ha- like what if? I mean, I'm, I'm sure the the phone call was kind of a surprise, or maybe oh, yeah. was, but before that, I mean, I know that with with Andrea and I, you know, when she when she decided to have amnio, you know, it was kind of like, well, mm-hmm. okay, so the results could come, you know, if, if it did come back, what are we going to do? Right. You know, that's a hard conversation to have because you don't know and you yeah. don't know when you're going to res- get the results. I and mean, did you, did, did you guys talk beforehand or was it just kind of like a shock to the system? And now we have something that we have to really address and come together as a family to, to we, deal with. We've been together for so long. We'd had the conversation over years that, you know, if we ever had something wrong with our kids, we were going to have the babies no matter what. You know, unless it was something that was severely could severely harm me or cause me problems, we were going to have the baby. And so we knew that we were going to have the child no matter what. Um, with our first one, it took us a year and a half to get pregnant. So for us to even think about ending the pregnancy just because she's got a few problems, it was, we just couldn't, you know. I mean, my husband instantly, when the, doc, when the lady said, you know, if you want to end it, he's like, no. And then we thought about doing the amnio. This, it can encourage us to do an amnio, and we didn't want to because it can increase your chances of having a miscarriage i don't like needles so i didn't want that needle near me so we actually did a blood test they can do a blood test now that tells um they can find the baby's dna and they were able to find out her gender and then also for sure that she had the uh, down syndrome prior to pregnant prior to having her so we didn't have to do the amnio but it was one of those things where we knew that something was wrong with her we didn't want to do the amnio and we were fine with it because it was you know she was gonna be born we were gonna you know, conquer whatever came near it towards us. But yeah, it was something we knew ahead of time that we weren't going to end it. Dr. Delana, what do you see with, um, you know, when you're delivering news to parents and siblings and their reactions and how they deal with things? I think, I think one of the important things that I try to tell them is to not 
make that child that has the illness, not make his brother or sister feel like they have to babysit them or because you don't want to feel like it's a burden for that child. Or, I mean, and then sometimes they think you're spending too much time with this child and, and, and they feel left out. And so I try to bring it together that everybody helps. And because the last thing you want to do is make that child feel like their sibling is a burden. And um, so that's really important. And then I always just say, you know, everybody has something. You're going to have to go, you know, get shots. You're going to have to have this. But these are things to watch out for, just like you would if, if he fell down. You know, if you fell down, you come, you know, you tell mommy, if, you know, that sort of thing. But you never want it to make one child feel like they're responsible for the other child and not to talk about um, really serious you know, serious, serious things right in front of them because they hear more than you know. I think you kind of move things along at, well, you have the, pay, the, the child that's ill, move things along at their pace so they understand what's going on. But, it, but then the child, uh, the sibling also needs to understand too, but also needs to, real, to, to have a fun time and not feel like they're tied down. That's what we've made a point to do with our our two year old is really is, great. is encourage her to have family time. So we you know every once in a while would do something with three of us. But like the other day, I took my two year old out to just a play date with her and I, and then my husband yeah. gets to do that. So she That's doesn't great. feel like you know we can't do anything because Riley's here. She we don't want her to have animosity towards Riley because something's wrong with Riley. We don't want her That's to to that. see Riley as you know something bad. We want her to see her something fun. Right. Or you know you you spend more time with Riley than me. You right. Know. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's so you are doing the right thing, and I've seen it not done that way, and so I know it just is very harmful for the child. I want to talk a little more about like the impact on parenting. I mean, I imagine you and your husband were in a good spot before. Right? I mean, has it solidified your relationship, or have you had moments of, you know, where it's been really hard? I think what's made it really hard was not being together. Because you're like, in different spots, we're in right? Different spots, and you yeah. lose the connection. Like we would, I mean, we would literally pass each other in the in the entryway to the hospital because he because our other, our two year old right. sleep in the car, so we'd pass each other, give each other a kiss, say bye, and then talk on the phone. Like yeah. we celebrated our eight year wedding anniversary, and we were on the phone. Yeah, because we didn't we couldn't see well, each other. But so let's say that parent, like let's say that it tears a couple apart, and I mean it's tragic to hear about like the parents divorcing, but I think that the real bad stuff is that they're arguing about it and bringing it into the room. Like there has to be some agreement that we got to pull it together right. for the kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we've, we've tried to do with, with our other our two year old is not arguing in front of her, not having these conversations about Riley in front of her, just so that she understands that, you know, Riley's a good thing. We don't, we, we just make yeah. a point to not be Absolutely. negative in front of, of her. Cause she's seen us yeah. fight over some th- things with Riley and she just loses it. She hates it. Like she can't stand seeing us cry anymore. Every time we start to cry, she always gets upset. And so we make a point to be as strong as possible in front of her. I mean, she does see emotions, but not nothing severe. Extreme. Extreme, yeah. Well, Dr. Land, I know that in your Katie Kate books, um, you do talk about um, asthma and diabetes and epilepsy and cancer. I was wondering if you could maybe offer, you know, maybe a tip, one of the tips that you have in the books or some of the things that, you know, it's good for parents or families to know about getting a diagnosis with each of those. Well, I think one of the biggest tips I can give is is to be honest. I think kids understand more than you think sometimes. And I think when you, when you don't tell the truth or people have different, I think everybody needs to be on the same page. 
and say the same thing. I mean, I I, I know I was with my my son um, in Houston, and this little girl came out of the room, and she turned to her mother, and she said, I thought you said it was a test. You told me it was a test. I thought they were going to ask me, do I like sugar? Do I eat candy? Hmm. And it was a blood test. A blood test. And so I think you have to tell the truth. Yeah. Because because you you lose credibility, and then everyone needs to be on the same page because that's very confusing. When when one person says one thing and somebody else says, you know, yes, you can do that. No, you can't. But then there's a line, too, though, between, I think, knowing how much truth they need. Absolutely, and that depends exactly on the child. Would you say that, generally speaking, that... You know, kids end up facing it with more confidence and aplomb than adults do? Yes, I think so. I think uh, parents go through a, a period of time where, I mean, I've, I've had them be very angry and say, how could God do this to my child? My, I have an innocent child. How could this happen? And that's such a difficult question to answer, but I always tell people that I tell them we weren't here when God created heaven and earth, and we don't know what his path is for each of us, but we have to put our trust in that. And um, because it's a very difficult thing when you have an innocent child that's subject to, to an illness. You know, it's just a very, very difficult, difficult thing. And, and then children, I mean, I think that, that one of the most saddest things that I ever heard was I had this little girl and she had been, she'd had like a couple recurrences. And and she was talking to me one day, and she knew she was going to die. And she was, I bet she was about 11. And she said, Dr. Maitland, she goes, I don't mind if I'm going to die. That's okay. I just don't want to be cold. So um, I talked to her, and I told her that she wouldn't be cold at all. I couldn't, re- I couldn't believe she said that that day. Um, I think she she must have heard something at home about death or something like that, or somebody must have said, like, this is your third recurrence, and she must have heard she was going to die. It's sad to think about, but in a way it's comforting to know that kids can be so resilient and accepting and that we can probably learn a little bit from them. We always can. All right. Well, baby Riley, thanks for sticking with us for all yes. that time, and thank you, Dr. DeLand. Um, oh, you're welcome. Hopefully you're our welcome. listeners found this useful. Well, actually, um, as part of our bonus segment, um, Dr. DeLand will tell us a little bit more about her books, The Great Katie Kate. Um, so stick around for that if you're a Parent Savers Club members. For more information on today's show, um, about information about any of our panelists, please visit the episode page on parentsavers.com. We're going to do a quick break, and then we'll wrap up the show. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must-not-take-yourself-too-seriously and 6-1 since that matters and... What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Before we wrap things up, here's psychologist Jennifer Shear with some tips on surviving the emotional side of parenting. Hi, Parent Savers. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shear, a clinical psychologist with a practice in San Diego. A large focus of my work is on helping women during pregnancy and throughout the transition to motherhood. Today's topic is strategies for redefining boundaries with your own mom and other family members once you have a baby. An important thing to consider when becoming a new mother is what you want from your own mom. 
and then doing the big girl job of communicating that. Some women want their mother's support during delivery or right after bringing baby home. Other women want the birth experience to be shared with spouses only and feel strongly about having private bonding time. It is helpful to think through your needs and to communicate this ahead of time to family members. This allows time for feelings to get sorted out and expectations to become clear to everyone. Many of us have mothers and relatives that are all too eager to jump in and voice their opinions. However, when we are vulnerable and unsure of ourselves, we often want reassurance and validation. It is normal to feel sensitive or criticized by others' instructions on how something should be done. New grandmas are adjusting too. They may become over-involved through a desire to feel close and maintain purpose in the new family constellation. Everyone is going through loss at the very time that everyone is gaining. As a new mom, it can be helpful to think of yourself as CEO of your family. Use your relational intelligence to put the right personalities in the right roles. If mom or aunt is good at doing, let her stock the fridge and manage the baby supply list. Perhaps she can do research on baby nutrition or pediatricians. Put your people to work in ways that they can feel meaningful too. But know that you make the final decisions and allow your intuition to guide you. It is part of forging your own path and defining your maternal authority. Thanks for listening to today's segment, and keep listening for more episodes on how to thrive as a new parent. That wraps things up for today. Thanks so much for listening to Parent Savers. Thank you so much, baby Riley. She's adorable, and hopefully you guys don't mind the noises, because we sure don't. We appreciate you guys all listening to Parent Savers. Um, Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we're going to be talking with Dr. Scott Koenig about dealing with power struggles. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.